So I'm going to share what he's put in my heart and a little bit of that or, or part of it, maybe not as deep as I'll go here in this meeting, is what I, I taught this morning at our morning service. And it's a leading of the Spirit for me to, to continue with that. So it's Isaiah chapter 51. And I, I preach a lot from this because in it is a commissioning verse for our ministry. Uh, but I just felt the Lord saying, you know, at this time, I was sharing with the saints this morning that we've, done a, we've had a couple of expeditions, um, if you've maybe seen it on Facebook, <laughs> over the, the holidays. We went to the preaching braze at Canvas Lang, um, uh, just, bef- just boxing there somewhere, wasn't it? Something like that. Uh, something like that. Um, and really try to, well, quite frankly, try to soak up the anointing from the place. You know, do a, do a, a, an anointing soaking session or sucking session. But no, really just to, to try and, I just felt the Lord led us to go. And of course, it was there in 1742 that they had that mighty awakening under Whitfield. 30,000 people in that natural amphitheater that's there. And it's all nicely landscaped now. It probably wasn't like that back then. But it's a very weird and unusual but beautiful place. It's a great place. You know, and I've had prophet friends saying, there's anointing there. And I, and I said to this chap in particular, I said, I, I wouldn't put it like that. What I would say is, there's glory there and it's capped. And of course, the great revivals in local sort of area here were Canvas Lang and Kilsyth. And both of them are places where there's a very heavy oppression now because the enemy knows their wells. And uh, I believe God wants to uncap the wells, not just specific geographic wells, but blow the lid off all the wells in Scotland and maybe create some more. Amen? So we're really believing God for that. And then the other place we went to was uh, the day before Hugmanay, we went to the Holyrood, Church of the Holyrood in Stirling, where King James of the King James Bible was crowned King of Scots uh, before he became James I of the United Kingdom. And of course, uh, you know, as many of you know, I, I mainly preach on the King James, and I, and I know that a lot of people are, are going back to the King James. I'm not doing a wee message here on the King James, but just really to say that those two visits brought to me back the importance of preaching. Whitfield was a preacher. He preached to 30,000. And it said of Whitfield, you could hear his voice miles away. And that was without a megaphone or an amplification system. He had supernatural power on his voice. And when I started preaching as a young man, which wasn't that long ago, obviously, um, I had had the same experience when, when I preached, my voice would be, I could feel it being amplified. And a lot of street preachers are the same. You know, you get in the street, if you don't have a... In fact, a megaphone can hold you back because there's an anointing, isn't there, in the street preaching. And I believe we need to get back to it. I know a lot of people do street preaching. But, you know, in the power of Whitfield, these people were fainting and doing all kinds, you know, all kinds of signs and wonders, which is what Karen prayed for as we started. So we're believing God for that to come back as we prayed down there, do it again, Lord, but do it greater. So that's what we're believing for. So this, what we're going to look at here, uh, ties in with that. And um, so we're not doing Father and Nations tonight. 
um, as a subject, but in many ways we're going to be looking at a national message, really. Um, so he starts off by saying here, Isaiah 51, the prophet says, Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you're hewn, unto the hole of the pit whence you're digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you, for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And the Lord is saying to us here, look to your source. And we can look back, and we often reminisce um, about the glory days of old. And I believe the Lord, and, and for some of us, they were further back than others. But we all have things in our lives, don't we? Milestones and events and different things. Seasons in our life where God maybe was, we felt closer to him and all that. And the Lord, I believe, is saying to us, look to those things of old. And of course, we can go all the way back to Abraham because we're supposed to. He is the father of faith to them that believe. And he reminds us that God multiplied Abraham into a great nation. Okay? And verse 4 says, Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation, for a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. Now, I believe that God has a message for the nation, our nation. Okay? Now, we need to understand that much of this book, arguably most of the book, is not written to individuals, not written to you and I. We have an individual uh, application of it, don't we? For example, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, uh, the Lord's given you power to get wealth. So we say, well, I've got the power to get wealth because we want these promises. But they were actually originally given to a corporate body of people. They were given to a nation, the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, and some stuff in the New. But in the New Testament, they're given to the church. It doesn't say, as he is, so am I in this world. It says, so are we. Because God doesn't want us to think, me, me, me. He wants us to think, we, we, we. Because then it means we're thinking of others and inclusive of others. When it's all about me, my prayer life, my relationship with Jesus, then it really just becomes a self-help thing, this Christian faith. It becomes personal development and self-improvement. You know, I need to become a better Christian. Let me tell you, folks, I love to say this because it shocks folks, self-improvement is of the devil. Okay? God's not interested in improving you uh, and personal developing you. He's interested in you being crucified and Christ in you coming forth. That's what he's interested in. Amen? So it's not about, oh well, you know, my relationship with Jesus. It's Jesus in me through all life's sorrows, all that stuff that we sing. That's all religious junk, a lot of it. The Christianity is about the body of Christ. Not you and I, you know, sailing through life with Jesus, our cosmic buddy. And we need to understand that. So he says, hearken unto me, my people, give ear unto me, O my nation. And I believe Britain is God's nation. Okay? I really believe that. I believe any group of people in a nation who decide to become a remnant people at any time in history can go before God and petition him and say, make our nation a Christian nation, a nation that belongs to you. But I believe we already have nations like that that have a historic 
covenant relationship with him. I believe Scotland is one. I believe Britain is one. I believe England is one. All the, the, the four countries that make up the UK. And not just Northern Ireland, but the whole of Ireland. Because in the past, these nations, our forebears, covenanted with him. Um, towards that end. National covenants were signed, some in blood, as we know, here in Scotland. And nations covenanted with God. I believe Australia is uh, God's nation. I believe New Zealand is. I believe there are haven nations in the earth, the United States. Um, so there are nations in the earth. And not all Western nations as well. A lot of these African nations, you know, the leaders of them have gone before God and made solemn covenant with him to dedicate their nation to him. So, and that's why Jesus talks about sheep nations and goat nations. And it's up to us, though, if we want our nation to be a sheep nation. It's not up to Boris Johnson. It should be. It should be his job. Well, it is his job. He should be going before the Lord. One of the uh, decrees that we make is, uh, I believe at number 10 down the street, will always be a house of prayer. Keep saying it, folks. And God will honour that. Same rebuke house. So we want our nation, we want the leaders of our nation to be that way. Now, then he goes on to say this. Uh, my righteousness is near, verse 5. My salvation has gone forth. And my arms, mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me. And on mine arm shall they trust. That's King James, it says isles. Other versions will say coastlands. But what we have to understand, I've shared this, I shared it this morning again, I've shared it in here, and I'm going to be very specific about it. Is that when he's talking about the isles, he's not talking about any old island, any old place on the earth. He's talking, as Isaiah does, other prophets do, but particularly Isaiah, about the ends of the earth. Or the isles, he uses those terms quite a bit. So does Jeremiah. And they're not talking about what we would maybe say, oh, the far-flung corners of the globe, you know, I've travelled this old world and I've been to every part of, you know, the far-flung corners. That's not what he means here. And his audience would not have taken that from it. The ends of the earth were a specific geographical location, as were the isles. And it was the northwest. Uh, part of Europe, mainland Europe, off of that, the British Isles. That's what he's talking about. And his audience would have known that. So here's a prophet hundreds of years before Jesus walks the earth who is prophesying to an end-time Zion of God in the earth, an end-time people of God in the isles or coastlands and the ends of the earth. And he's saying salvation has come to these folks. That's the British Isles, friends. Okay, now it can, and I believe it does, have a wider application to America, to Australia, New Zealand, Canada, because they are also the ends of the earth, but his audience would have understood it to mean uh, of the northwest part of the European landmass, what the Romans called Ultima Thule, the end of the world. So he's talking here to a new covenant people in the Christian era, the church era, and more specifically, folks, I believe, because we're not in the church era anymore. We're in the kingdom age. 
And some are still transitioning, some are still dragging their backsides out of the church age into the kingdom age, but folks, we're in the kingdom age. So it's very important for us to understand this isn't some vague prophecy. Oh yes, the prophetic message, the wonderful words of prophecy, but you know, it's just la-la land. No, 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 no. He's very specific, and you have to understand a lot of these prophets, their words were really towards people living in the last days. Every time that clock there ticks, we're deeper in the last days, friends. So we better be acquainted with these things. It's not just Isaiah, it's all the prophets. And they say stuff that we need to know so that we can walk in it. And it's, it's, it's wilder than you ever dreamed. So he says here, and I don't want to exegete the whole thing, because I want to get to where I want to go. But he says here, verse 9, Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. The Zeroah arm of the Lord. And as a whole, there's years of teaching in that. Awake, as in the ancient days. We've just um, sang about the ancient of days. Haven't we? And he's talking here about the ancient days. Awake as in the ancient days. In the generations of old. Like I said, of course, he's talking about here about Egypt. Because he says... Are you, are you not the one that cut Rehab and wounded the dragon? He's talking about uh, drowning Rahab, which is a synonym for Egypt or a metaphor for Egypt. Or, uh, did you not destroy Egypt? Did you not destroy the enemies of God and the enemies of the people of God in the Red Sea? Didn't you drown them? What does Babylon, uh, what does Revelation tell us about Babylon? That she's going to fall into the sea. The harlot that rides on the, the, the scallop the beast is going to fall into the sea. He's saying, the prophet here, then you do this before, Lord. Do it again. Do it again in our day, in our time, in our generation. Show us your power. Show us that the superpowers of earth who think that we're just a scabby wee bunch of no-hopers and losers Show us your power as you showed mighty Egypt, which was the great superpower of old. In the ancient of days, you destroyed Leviathan. You destroyed the, that spirit of Antichrist that seeks to always pop up in different kingdoms, nations, empires, powers, horns. He says, do it again. And that's, that's what we're looking because this fall of Babylon in Revelation 18, that's the final fall. Yes, there's a cyclical, I believe it, application. To it. Babylon has fallen. Even in the church age, the Reformation, Babylon fell, was almost wiped out. And different times we spoke about Whitfield there. You know, Babylon fell with a loud thud back then when Whitfield and Wesley were preaching because Britain was on the verge of joining the French in a godless satanic revolution and what saved us from that the preaching of Wesley and Whitfield or more, more uh, truthfully the power of God on these men and it wasn't just them there was a whole movement of folks because there was a remnant back then in the 18th century but folks we, that's wonderful to go to the preaching breeze it's wonderful to talk about that it's wonderful to share that but I'll tell you what right now, we need that in our day, but we need it a whole lot more than they had. So awake, awake, Lord, do it again. 
as you did in ancient times. Now watch this. This, is, this takes us into now. If, there's, if this isn't up to the minute, relevant, topical, pertinent to the time we live in, more pertinent than anything you'll see on Facebook or Instagram. Look at these words from verse 12. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you? Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? Let's just put words there. Who are you that you're afraid of Fauci, of Bill Gates, of Boris, of Javid, of Chris Whitty? These, these by the way, these Whitty and others are, are being knighted. They do need a sword on their head, but it needs to be a whole lot more than just a tap in the head. It needs to take their head off. And in, and in times gone by, that's what would have happened. And that's not an exhortation to anybody to do that. <laughs> okay, I'm just I'm making a point, all right? He says, who are you to be afraid of these people? Of a man who will die and of the son of a man who will be made like grass folks. Fear of man is the great snare. Isn't it? We're, not, we're scared of, oh, scared of the government. Scared of... Uh, what's Boris going to do next? What's, Ni what's Nicola going to say today? today? <laughs> it's fear. Yes. And do you know what? I'm glad that we're, sitting, we're, we're tonight in, in the house of God. We are the house of God, but, but you understand. But there's people out there that aren't in church. They're not in the house of God, but they're waking up. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. We're already awake, but they're waking up out there. Folks that you talk to, They'll, they'll tell you, you know, there's one particular person I'm thinking of right now, and he keeps sending me anti-vax stuff, so I eventually said to him, take it you don't agree with the vax, because we don't know. And he says, I've had, I've had two, he said, but I'm beginning to think something sinister's going on. <laughs> well, I said, well, I agree with that, but that's what I'm saying. People are waking up. This, this guy is so anti-vax now. And it's good to know that there are people out there that still have their conscience. You know, what that means, what the implication of the vax means, we talk about it all the time, we don't know, we're not going to get into that debate just now. But look what he says here. He says, and you forget the Lord thy maker. See, the fear of man will cause you to forget the Lord thy maker. Or we could say this, forgetting the Lord thy maker will bring the fear of man upon you as a snare and you'll do stuff you would never have done if you hadn't forgot. Yeah. So forgetting the Lord your maker. And you know, it didn't say forget the Lord your saviour. Because when you forget the Lord your maker, here's what happens. You can mess up your DNA. You can mess up how God made you when you forget that he made you. See, it's, is this not so up to date? And then he says, who stretched out the heavens, laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. 
Okay, so he's talking here about the oppressor. He's talking here about wicked governments oppressing God's people. You know, look at the history of the world. Look at the history of the church. That is the history of the world and the history of the church. Is that, the, that there are powers in the earth, Babylon, Leviathan, Antichrist, whatever you want to call them, that what do they do? What is their modus operandi? What is their raison d'etre? Do you like all that use of different languages? To oppress the people of God. Because they're satanically inspired to do so. And he says, you've feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. Now, reading that on the surface, you would say, well, you know, these oppressing powers, they, they, they're, they're angry, they're furious, they have a fury, they have a wrath. And that's true, I believe that. But if you go and study the Hebrew, that word fury actually means poison. Death-dealing poison. Now, you have fear continually every day because of the poison of the oppressor. So when the oppressor comes to you and says, we're in the middle of a pandemic. You're all doomed. You're all going to die. But I've got the solution. Just one jab. And I'll all go away. Oh, sorry. Two jabs. It's going to take two jabs. Oh, no, sorry. We got that. No, they ne notice they never say we got it wrong. They say to be really safe, you need a booster. And now we're talking about boosters until, you know, that we've got the wee loyalty cards. Yeah? Because the poison is what they want to get into our body. And the fury of the oppressor means the poison of the oppressor. So really that's what it's all about. And of course, getting into realms of Mark of the Beast and so on. When he has prepared to destroy. It's not a pandemic. It's a pandemic because it's been prepared. It's been planned. It's been organized. And where is the fury? Where is the poison of the oppressor? Well, we can ask that here. Thank God tonight. Because it's not in any of our bodies. Amen. Yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Then I like this phrase. The captive exile hastens, or hasteneth in the King James, and, and that he may be loosed, or that he may be released, set free. What's a captive exile? As I shared with folks this morning, and of course I didn't get into as deep this morning. I just, it was much more of a surface message. The captive exile hasteneth. What's a captive exile? It's an oxymoron. Now, I know there's a lot of morons around, but this is an, an oxymoron. Because captive means to be held in and locked down, and exile means to be pushed away and locked out. Doesn't it? So a captive exile, what's that? It's somebody who is oppressed to the point where they can be locked in and locked down in their homes as prisoned, imprisoned at home, held captive, but exiled out of everything that they, they're used to in life. Going to shops, going to pubs or clubs or football or, or all of these things. And they tried it with church, thank God. The Lord gave us a victory over that here in Scotland. But in other words, we're locked down, but we're also locked, we're locked out of our old life. And I was sharing this this morning. Uh, this morning we, we, we bumped into a family friend who's... 
uh, well, let's just say, pure blood and not quiet about it. Amen? This man is he's not a Christian, uh, but he, has, <laughs> he ought to be, because he'd be a firebrand. Uh, but he was, and he was sharing about his, his, his daughter has just passed her driving test. That's young lassie, she's about 17, 18, 19. 18. 18. And she's just passed her driving test. And I was saying to Brian, I said, look, I said, I just watched a YouTube video last night that, um, that part of all this that's going on is they've totally, the governments don't want people to have cars. We know that. We've spoken about that. Yes. But they've clamped down on young folks sitting tests, you know, driving lessons. The, the normal numbers of people of that age, teenagers, who obviously, the minute they turn 17, they want to learn to drive and get freedom. Those numbers are way down because test centers are shut and the whole thing is shut down. The government doesn't want young kids, or any of us really, having freedom to, to drive here tonight, to, to go about your business to go to the preaching braze or to, 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 you understand, they don't want you having that freedom. So young folks, in fact, Lucy, Brian said to me, she had to sit her theory test in Carlisle or something like that. Yeah. It's absolutely bonkers. But that's what being a captive exile is like. And we long to be released from this lifestyle where every day you're scanning the news, uh, what's the latest COVID announcements? What's Nicola saying today? What's Boris bringing in? All these things. And you notice how they're all in lockstep with each other. It's all similar across the world. Because they all serve the same globalist masters. So the captive exile hastens that he may be set free from this life. We want free of this Lord. That he should not die in the pit. Because folks, that is the pit. And it's certainly the pits. Living like that. Two years we've had of this now. And we don't want to die in that. People have died in it. Died of depression. Am I right? And it says, and that his bread should not fail. Well, people don't want to lose their jobs, but we're getting fuel increases, food shortages, the price of everything's going up. Fear, 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 so that people are afraid that their bread will fail. That's not just talking about the food. It's talking about that the lifestyle that they've maybe known and, and, and enjoyed will end. You know, for a lot of people, the fuel poverty people, it's heat or eat or heat, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, none of us in this room might be in that position, but many are. And he's saying, this is describing a lifestyle, he's describing a societal condition. Captive exiles, people oppressed. And you're thinking, this, this man is seeing into our situation. This prophet Isaiah is seeing what we are living in. And we're told, it's just going to get worse, it's just going to get worse. And, and, it, and of course, we're also told, you will own nothing and be happy. And folks, I, I want to say this. The Lord has said this to me more than once. And really forcefully, almost like slapping my head with it. It's not about a virus. It's not about a vaccine. It's about impoverishing you and making you an indentured slave. That's what it is. It's nothing more or less, and that's bad enough. That's that's everything that, and that's why, you know, because, and I shared this on one of the podcasts the other day, 
that um, you know the Lord had led me into uh, the kingdom wealth ministry and stuff many many years ago and it, it originally was a financial breakthrough for me and then it became a ministry but now I see it's all for this time because folks if we don't start believing God to walk in his economy then the pressure to take the mark of the beast however that actually manifests that if that makes sense bow the knee to Baal we need to know how to manifest God's supply on earth as his remnant people not just so that we can get our bills paid or we can eat but so that we can lead people out of the economic antichrist system which is governed by the mark of this beast 666 and be God's alternative and I don't even like using that term alternative because God's economy is the true economy Okay, it's the devil that has the alternative, and it ain't good. Amen. So here it says here, the captive exile tries to get free. Does not want to perish in this horrible system? But then it says, look at this, but I, verse 15, but I am the Lord your God. <coughs> that divided the sea whose waves roared, he's reminding us, I've been here. I've been in this situation. I've faced with Moses and the children of Israel, the Red Sea, Pharaoh's army bearing down. I've been there. I, I, I divided that sea. Has anybody else ever been able to do anything like that? No. So he's reminding us, I've done it before and I'll do it again in a different manifestation perhaps. But folks, the sea will be divided. And the sea, of course, is what Babylon sits on. And when he divided the sea the last time, God's people went through, but Pharaoh and his armies perished. And when he divides the sea this time, we'll still go through, but the harlot upon the beast will perish. Babylon will fall. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. So he says, I've done it before. And then he says, the Lord of hosts is his name. How many times have we said it here? Emphasize, God keeps telling us, I'm the Lord of Millions of angels. I'm the captain of the angelic host. And you know, you might say, well, uh, why does he say that? You know, because here's the thing. God doesn't even need to get his hands dirty. He's got millions of angels. And the angels are at our beck and call. That's not to say that we start bossing angels about and do all that weird angelic stuff that some crazy folks do. We don't have to address angels. You know, if God gives you an encounter with an angel and you're speaking to that angel, it's biblical, it's happened, I've, I've had that encounter, other people have. But it's not, let's get together and tell the angels what to do. Because that's the road to weird stuff. That's strange fire. But all you need to do is say, God's will be done, and I don't know how many angels are going to go, Amen. Amen? And jump in and say, well, I've just been activated. I've just been released. I've just been triggered. So you keep saying it because there's plenty more. God's will be done. There's another whole bunch. In the name of Jesus. You see, the angels obey his will and his word. And they obey our voice when we speak that, not when we try to get friendly and chummy with angels. Does that make sense? So, the Lord of hosts is his name. And this is, this is the answer. This is, this is the answer. And that's why I mentioned Whitfield 
and the preaching bridge and revival. And why I mentioned going to Church of the Holyrood, where King James of King James Bible fame was crowned, because God has used this book. And I'm not, I'm not saying other versions are rubbish. I don't mean that. I'm simply talking about his word and preaching his word. Titus tells us God manifests his word through preaching. So, you know, you get a whole bunch of people tell you, oh, it's not going to be a preaching revival that God's bringing. It's going to be this, it's going to be that. Well, folks, he manifests his word through preaching. So I am looking for preachers to rise up. Praying is great. Decreeing is wonderful. All these things. But God's business is done not necessarily in a pulpit or in a church setting, but his word is released to nations. That's why he says, give ear my people. Listen to me, my nation. God has a message for Scotland tonight, a message for England tonight, a message for Wales tonight, and a message for Ireland tonight. And he's a message for all of them together. And he's a message for you and I. And here is the message I believe that he's given to his remnant saints. And this is the commissioning verse for our ministry. But let me tell you this right now. It's a commissioning verse for every remnant saint, especially as we enter into this new year. Verse 16 says this. I have put my words in your mouth. Now, I've always got loads of Bibles around here. And uh, I'm always getting asked by my children, how many Bibles have you got, Dan? <coughs> and the answer is loads. But let me just say this to you. And this one here is a big four versions special. Four versions in the one book. But folks, this is of very little value sitting on a coffee table. Or gathering dust in a bookshelf. He didn't say I've given you Bibles. He didn't say I've got my word written down. He said I've put my words in your mouth. If they're not in our mouths, it's not a two-edged sword. The Bible speaks of a two-edged sword in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And on both occasions, the word edged means mouth. Dystoma in the Greek in the New Testament means two mouthed because God's word as a weapon of mass destruction to the kingdom of darkness is not found in a nice shiny presentation leather or imitation leather with this one it's not found that's not a weapon but when I take what God has said with his mouth and put it in my mouth then it's a sharp two-edged sword then it's devastation to the kingdom of darkness. You know, when, John, when uh, George Whitfield, I was going to say Jonathan Edwards, but that would be quite remarkable because he's an American preacher. When George Whitfield preached in the preaching braze at Canvas Lang and throughout the UK and in America and released God's word through preaching, thousands upon thousands of people were swept into the kingdom. And that was wonderful. It was a revival. It was, an, it was like the Great Awakening. But that wasn't just what happened. What happened was Britain was transformed. America was transformed. Britain became the British Empire. The most mighty empire in history. And there were things about that maybe where you'd say, well, it wasn't all wonderful. But folks, it released the gospel 
across there. And it demonstrated the power of God. And we had a righteous nation for, 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 for a while. Because this book preached properly. This word preached properly. doesn't just uh, get folks born again. That's so vital. It transforms society. It brings about godliness in a nation. And it can change geopolitics. That's why I believe. And these folks know the Borises, the Nicholas, they all know their time is up. Their days are numbered. They've, they're aware of the writing on the wall. We've got writing on the wall in here, but it ain't many, many take on your fashion. It's scripture. But, but if they were to come in, maybe they would see you've been weighing the balances and found wanting. And they would hear it from, from the, the pulpit here, whoever's standing here. He says, I've put my words in your mouth. And I've covered you in the shadow of my hand. Now, I might get round sometime to preaching about that, the hand of God. Uh, and and that's, there's a lot in that. But here, the shadow of my hand is maybe a metaphor, I would say, for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. The power of God with us. It's not just preaching. It's not uh, logic that we teach. It's the power of God and the power of the Spirit. There's no point in listening to anybody preaching unless they're preaching in the power of the Holy Ghost. Why would you do that? Why would you put your words in our mouths, Lord, and cover us in the shadow of your hand? He tells us that I may plant the heavens, which means planting the kingdom of God in the earth. That's why we pray thy kingdom come. So that it can be planted here. We do that, folks, by preaching in the power of the Spirit. You know, you say, well, all the folks in this area haven't heard you preach tonight because they're all in their houses. No, but let me just say this. The devils who are over them and who influence them, they heard the preaching tonight. Amen. And let me tell you, devils don't hang around good preaching. They, they scatter. They try to stop it first. And then when they can't stop it, they move out. See, casting out devils isn't just standing in front of someone in the name of Jesus, I cast thee out. Casting out devils means doing everything that it takes to drive and dispel the kingdom of darkness from an area or a territory. So he says, I have plant the heavens and lay the foundation of the earth. What that means is lay new foundations and or renew the foundations. You know, we need to get back to having our laws and our legislation based on God's word, not on some pervert from charities, so-called, that decide, oh, uh, advise governments on how to be LGBT, QIRS, whatever it is, friendly. Okay, government should be asking the people of God, what do you say and what does your God say should be the law of our land? They used to, but they don't anymore. They, they ask all these freaks and perverts. So he says here, lay the foundation of, and say unto Zion, and this, this is so important, close with us of course, let's uh, get into that place. Unto Zion, thou art my people. You are my people. God's message to us tonight is, 
You are Zion. You are my people. You belong to me. You're the remnant. You're the ones I have chosen at this time and point in history to be my instrument, instruments of dominion and taking authority in the earth and driving out all, it's no longer the Hittites and the, the Jebusites and all the ites, it's now the isms, the feminisms, the socialism, the communism, the humanism, all of these isms, feminism, did I mention that? All the isms need driven out. And it's our job to drive them out. And like I said uh, in, in that, the latest blog I did for the remnant, it's not, oh, we're, we're called to spiritual warfare. No, we're called to be king priests and decree. We're not getting involved in minor skirmishes with demons here and demons there. If that happens, we, we, we cast them out. But folks, we're called to be ruling and reigning with him, seated with him in heavenly places. Far more gets done from the throne room than gets done in the trenches. And I believe the Lord is calling the remnant up to, under, to have this understanding. And Cam goes on about it over and over, and rightly so. Seated with him. Know who we are. <coughs> Function from that place. Not get caught into spiritual warfare. But rule and reign from heavenly places as king priests in the order of Melchizedek. And so when we speak, we speak as the oracles of God. Does that make sense? The Lord bless you folks. And I hope that was a blessing to you. Amen.